Hello, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theater Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theater writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Upoff gray Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theater Company. And this is Theater Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theater from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theater in the Midwest and around the country. And welcome to episode 12 of Theater Forward. Hello. Hello. So this episode is about the perennial overlap between writing for theater and writing for television. This goes back decades, of course, but I definitely think that we're sort of in a golden age right now, and we thought it would be an interesting thing to talk about. Um, Sort of kicking us off, I have to say, as I look at the wealth of really brilliant writing for television that's happening right now, and the wealth of really brilliant writing for theater that's happening right now, uh, it, it feels like this incredibly generative time. And when I look at playwrights' names and TV writers' names, you start to realize, oh, people really are doing a lot of both right now. And I think that that has paid a lot of dividends for us in the theater. Um, and what I mean by that is that uh, I think that the old model of television with these, you know, 22, 23 episode seasons, this year round writing gig, people would start uh, as writers in the theater and then often for financial reasons, just sort of decamp to Hollywood to write for TV. And that was an all consuming thing. Um, Now that there are so many more limited series, um, shorter things going on, I'm seeing playwrights really going back and forth. They, They write a play, they go do a short series, they write another play. And I think that that's been good for the theater in that it's enabled these playwrights to make some more money and and to stretch some different artistic, you know, muscles, but not have to make it an either or. Right. So that's kind of my my initial take on this. What do you think? I would say I would add to that. They don't have to go to Hollywood anymore. There's <laughs> a lot being done all over the country. Yeah. And so they can actually stay in their city of origin, write for plays right um, for TV, right for movies. Yeah. Um, I think we benefit from um, people who are making more money uh, in TV uh, so that they can. It is you're exactly right. It isn't an either or. They don't have to make that decision because they are making some more money doing the TV. It's just a darn shame that that's actually the the equation that they have to, you know, that you don't make a ton of money writing for play. Writing for the stage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you can make $7,000 a week, you know, writing for television and, you know, there are some respected playwrights that make that Mm -hmm. in six months. um, There is a problem. And to Julie's point, I I just I I wish government was stepping in here and doing the role that TV is being forced to pick up. I mean, I'm all for playwrights having financial security. I do think in many ways that has allowed people to stay in theater that otherwise wouldn't. I'm less I'm less optimistic about what this is doing for theater than I think the two of you are. I think it's been great for television. It's made television better than it's been since its first golden age. Um, But I think we're seeing a lot of plays right now that feel like uh, TV. I mean, very short scenes, multiple locations that don't always make sense in terms of how they go together, fractured unities. I mean, things that are giving much of what I'm reading right now in terms of new plays a sameness. Um, of the same sort that we're getting from all those MFA cookie cutter uh, plays. <laughs> I wouldn't disagree with that. And for sure, I read a lot of scripts where I just go, and this is not a play. This is meant for the screen. And I sort of toss it on the pile. <laughs> right. Um, so 
I think the not great plays are more and more looking like TV scripts than they were maybe a decade or two ago. But the but the really good writers, I think, are um, challenging us as audience members, both on stage and on on the small screen or the, or the big screen. And I just look at some of the playwrights that we've produced in the last couple seasons here at Forward. You know, you've got Dominique Morisot, who wrote our uh, Skeleton Crew. She's been working on Shameless for Showtime. You've got Jordan Harris who wrote Marjorie Prime and our upcoming The Amateurs. He's worked on Orange is the New Black. Ike Holter, who wrote our exit strategy. He did an episode of Fosse Verdon. And anybody who loves theater who didn't watch Fosse Verdon needs to like go and watch that right <laughs> now. That was so enjoyable for those of yes. us who love theater history. Um, and it was written by a lot of playwrights. And you can right. tell. And then, of course... I mean, we can't have this conversation without talking about Fleabag. Mm, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, yes. it started as a play. Um, I know you've watched it, Julie. I know you've watched m- most of it already, Mike. I don't think I've ever seen a piece of television that was television. It wasn't like, oh, now we filmed a play. This was television. But the feelings I had watching it were the feelings that I have when I'm watching a play in terms of the way she was engaging with us as viewers and making us think. I It was one of the most brilliant things. And the intricacies of character. It was truly one of the favorite things I've seen maybe ever. Yeah. And and I do think uh, some of the impact was because it started as a one woman play. And that whole first season was the play put, put, you know, in front of a camera. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, I want to mention, too, I've got a very good friend, Tanya Siracho, who I produced um, her show, M. Frascata, and she's now the front runner at Vida. And I think um, her career has gone crazy. And I want to bring her back uh, into the theater world uh, again. I think there's a lot of people who are... Um, yeah, going back and forth. And she's using her experiences. I've read one of her scripts, Fade, which is about a TV writer. Right. You know, so right. she's she's taking her experiences writing for TV and turning them into plays yes. as well. Yeah, she's a great example. I mean, you know, I, I, I echo everything that's been said about Fleabag. It is blowing my mind how 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 good it is. Uh, and I'm so sorry I missed it when I was in New York when she came back to do a short uh, a short stint before uh, season two. Um, but, you know, that's a one it, it's written and created and acted by one person. And what you don't get in most television is that sort of a setup. I mean, Ike Holter's one of many writers. Um, most playwrights are one of a, a huge number of people in the room. And that has its advantages and is certainly less lonely. Um, but I think that you think of playwrights like Brandon Jacob Jenkins or Annie Baker. And I know Annie Baker has written for TV. That kind of a vision is what I worry we will lose. The sort of theater that is truly theatrical, that allows us to do something different, where we're not trying to imitate TV and requires an individualized vision, Mm -hmm. um, is something that you potentially are no longer able to do if you get in the habit of always collaborating with a huge group of people. I know this is theater and we're all about collaboration, but playwrights need to work on their own most of the time. Well, I wonder if, it, if, if it's not analogous to um, the experience I sometimes have as a director. People will sometimes say to me, do you like directing straight plays or do you like directing musicals better? And I say, I love them both and they're really different experiences as mm-hmm. a director. You know, when it's a straight play, it's you. I mean, obviously you're collaborating with the with the actors and the designers and all of that, but, but cr- crafting how the show looks is really on you as the director. Now, when you're doing a musical, you've got a music director, you've got a choreographer, you have a bigger team. And 
it, it stretches different muscles for me as a director, those two different genres. And I would imagine it's a similar exercise for uh, writers to be in a writer's room for a TV show and then go write a play. And I think that um, if they're good about going back and forth, I think each can inform the other. There's no question that there's going to be examples of it not working, but I think that there can be examples of it working really well too. I mean, um, one I think of that's sort of um, hot right now, think of Heidi Schreck, who's what the Constitution means to me is very much this singular vision, this very autobiographical show, this very personal show. But she's also worked on many television series like Nurse Jackie and Billions for, for Showtime. Um, and of course, if we want to... Um, you know, skip back, uh, you know, uh, maybe not a whole generation, a partial generation. We could also talk about someone like Aaron Sorkin started right. writing theater, went and did television and film really almost exclusively for a long time, has now come back to write this adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird. I hope we're going to see him going back and forth a little more now instead of living kind of just in one of those two worlds. So, um, there's there's traps, there's pitfalls, as you say, Mike, but I also think the the ones who get it right are going to really get it right. You know, when's the last time you read a play with a really great, long, sustained, like 40 minute scene of the sort that you had in Good People, which Forward did such a fantastic mm. job with? We're not getting those kinds of scenes anymore. I can't imagine an O'Neill, for example, mm. to choose a, you know, a, a four hour long day's journey into the night. I mean, plays like that aren't getting written. One of the reasons I think Ferryman was such a huge hit in New York is because it was trying to capture that scope and that 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 range. And so again, it's not that playwrights aren't capable of doing this. They're just not doing it because they're getting in the habit of writing things that are short. And our society is also... I was going to say, which audience? If we said we're going to do a four-hour show... I'm there. I, 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 <laughs> right. Yes, you, yes, you, you are. are. <laughs> but uh, there's an awful lot of people who ask me in the house, um, does this have an intermission? And I say no. And they go, oh, phew. Yeah. And so... Well, and it's just, it's funny. And I, you know, I might get, I might lose my theater cred card for this, but it's funny you use that example because as much as I admire Long Day's Journey, I've seen several really stellar productions. If I never have to see that play again in my life, that's okay with me. <laughs> you're, you're watching me sort of like right, be right. strangled uh, right let, here. Let me I'm, put Iceman Comet in that. Oh, you're, you're hurting me. <laughs> um, what, do you, what do you both, as, as people who uh, are, are more directly involved with Forward in particular in making theater, how do you feel about the things TV is importing into um, into, onto the stage in, in terms of the technical side, like mm. the, the, the increased use of uh, uh, video. Yeah, for projection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I, I feel mixed about it. When I see, um, I love it when adding video is something that we come up with creatively that adds new elements and new impact to a production. Um, there have been a couple of shows that we've done where that's been um, a choice that we've made. You know, we're going to add this projection and it's going to really have this, this impact on how people experience this story. I find myself more resentful of it when we have a play where using video projections is the only way I can solve how to get this story on stage because there's so many different locations and there's no way to communicate where we are. You know, really good playwrights. Um, I think Heisenberg that we just did this past season by Simon Stevens was a good example. There were a lot of different locations, but the scenes weren't lightning quick. Mm -hmm. he, and it was intended to be produced in a very spare physical manner. And so he 
uh, created a script that allowed the director and designers to bring the actors into a lot of the characters into a lot of different locations without you don't you didn't have to use projections to make those transitions. It wasn't like and now it's a one page scene and now we're someplace else. And sometimes when you see those, you start to feel like projections of some sort are the only way to help the audience know where you are. I, feel, I don't like that. <laughs> I feel like we were caught a little flat footed on this projection thing that happened in New York and and has taking over the country. And we are not educating projection designers right now. Mm. People are coming out of school as lighting designers and scenic designers, costume designers. And I'm hoping that that that's being addressed because it's becoming more and more um, prevalent. But it seems like the, the projection shows that called for projections that I have done in the past we looked far and wide for someone who was able to do that. And then did we have equipment that would interface with, you know, with the um, projection um, materials that were needed? It, 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 I think we're, we're behind the ball on that. Mm -hmm. I think that um, I think we're going to see more and more and more of it. And especially as you said, because people are writing for TV, there's a whole bunch of different locations and dear Evan Hansen happened and people said, Oh my gosh, what we could do with a good projectionist. Well, when you see it and it's good, it's so good. You know, I, I I think I mentioned this on the the last episode, but I saw the sort of pre-Broadway tryout of Jagged Little Pill last Last year, and that was some of the most exciting projection design I've ever seen on a stage. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way they were using it was dynamic. It wasn't just a flat screen at the back um, that right. things were being projected onto to tell you where you were. It was it was this incredibly dynamic and exciting part of the design concept. And um, so that stuff's really cool. I don't think that kind of thing is very affordable for regional. And I'm, I'm just wondering, right Jen, now. though, will it have to be? Right. At a certain point, we will be hiring and who's going to be doing projections and there will be a permanent um, uh, permanent screen or there will there will be things in the theater to enable us to do that, I think. Or or and again, this is this Mm -hmm. is the whole idea of feeling like we have to do things the way. TV does them. And I say this as a huge Evan Hansen fan, or we come up with older solutions. I mean, to go back to Heisenberg, I mean, a shout out to Jason Fassel, who did the scenic and lighting design for that show. And it does move a lot in terms of locations and came up with brilliant ways, old fashioned, less is more theater ways to tell a story that moved people incredibly without having to use any bells and whistles. And Jason is a lighting designer who's, you know, to my mind, the best lighting designer in the state, certainly knows how to use bells and whistles if he wants to. He chose not to, and he made the show better because of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do we go back to that? You know, I, I this is, again, me in the four-hour play. I mean, I'm going <laughs> to put that battle aside for today, but I do think that we have an opportunity in this medium to tell a different kind of story. And if we're going to continue to do what I think we are doing is tell more stories that are more like TV, we will never be able to compete with TV because TV will have more money. TV will have technological things we don't. It's why we can't be trying to make movies. And when you see more and more plays doing that, I think we're losing what makes us special. Um, And what's great about Fleabag is it's so gosh darn theatrical. Um, and it and it is simple in terms of its mm-hmm. layout and design and what it's trying to do. Well, you know, call me an optimist, but I I really I think we're going to get both. I think we're going to see that there's going to be a lot of um, 
theater that does take advantage of what we learn from from good television that uses projections the way a Dear Evan Hansen or a Jagged Little Pill does um, theater that that goes um, to new places technically that we couldn't and is able to do storytelling formats we couldn't have done before without some of these um, technical uh, requirements that we now have. But I also think we'll continue to see the ferrymen's and the old fashioned theater uh, storytelling that reacts against it. Um, I, I think we're going to actually see a bunch of both happening and people who really prefer one or the other should have plenty to choose from. And I think those of us who like all of it will feel like it's a really diverse diet that we're being offered. That's that's my hope anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think the. Um, the proliferation of options on television is kind of a, a, a model in that there's all kinds of things available now. It's not just network. It's right. not just you get a sitcom or a procedural drama. There's all kinds of genre bending stuff happening and you can um, people are getting feeling really free to go in a lot of different directions because they don't have to serve everybody on the one network. And I, I'm hoping that we continue to see that kind of a creative explosion in theater. I love that. That's uh, you always get us to yes. Yeah, right, exactly. Yes, I agree. Please, and and I just I, and I just love because you know what? I'm a theater. I'm a theater person, but there is very little that I love so much as being able to go home at the end of a long work day and watch an hour of great television, right. and and not just you know channel surf until I can find something palatable, but have an entire queue of brilliant writing to choose from. It thrills me that I, I and I can see I can follow these incredible writers, the Becca Brunstetters and the Phoebe Waller Bridges and even the Teresa Rebecks and Annie Bakers and all of these people whose um, theater writing excites me. And I can also see their work on television. It, it's it's fun. I Good agree. times. Yeah. I agree. Yes. <laughs> and you can't you know, you can't resist the tide of history, whether we like it or not. This is where the cultural conversation right now is happening. Um, I would love it if people were buzzing in every coffee shop about, you know, the latest play they had seen. And in our little world, sometimes they do. But everybody but everybody is talking about Fleabag. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, you know, it's important, I think, if you're going to be culturally aware, to be aware of that conversation and also to think about the ways in terms of content and in terms of pastiche references that those shows are entering into theater as well. So, yeah. so you know, ultimately, Jen, your vision is where we are going, whether we like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll look at it with, with rose-colored glasses and optimism and, and enthusiasm. Um, and uh, why do we call that it for this Great. episode yep. of Theater Forward? It's a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jen Uphoff-Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Oh, wait a minute, i got to get my remote. Our podcast is produced <laughs> by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Forward Theater, as always, with an E-R. And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in, and be sure to leave a stellar review. <laughs> We're so grateful to have you listening, and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.